Elizabeth was diagnosed later in life with bipolar disorder, though she felt that she knew something wasn't quite right even early in her teen years. After going to college in Kansas and then moving to Portland to start her own business and musical career, Elizabeth has experienced various facets of bipolar disorder at its most extreme. In her most recent hospitalization, she dealt with the too little talked about phenomenon in which her medication became poisonous to her, an all too common problem. Elizabeth joins us now to talk about her ups and downs and what has helped her forge forward while living with bipolar disorder. Elizabeth, welcome to Flip Switch. Hi. Hi. Hi, guys. Ambulance here, too. That's okay. So, Elizabeth, we're here today to kind of just chat with us about your experiences. Let's start with the most obvious. What official diagnosis do you have? Bipolar 1. Bipolar 1. Okay. And when were you first diagnosed with that? When I was 25. 25. Okay. And now that's around the uh, age. Uh, we were talking about that earlier, in fact. Uh, the age for women of diagnosis is uh, later in the 20s as opposed to men, which are early or late teens, late 20s, typically. Um, yeah, and what, what led to that first diagnosis? Um, mostly depression. Depression. And, yeah, and ended up going to a psychiatrist near me, uh, and my mom had kind of insisted on it because I was living in Chicago for a while, and then I had to move home because of a depressive episode. And then my mom said that... Uh, it was time she wanted me to see someone. So, but at the same time, um, I knew inside that I was bipolar. I knew. What was it that made you know? When I was 18, I knew because um, I had a my first manic episode, and I knew because I had taken Psych 101, and right. I basically figured it out. So you were in college by this time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I was at the University of Kansas, and I knew because I had been, you know, I hadn't slept like other than maybe like two hours a night for probably weeks. And I knew it was mania. So okay. inside I knew. Yeah. How are you able to kind of determine that uh, inside your head versus like you meet so many people who seem to be showing that same type of stuff and they go, well, I'm just kind of messing around. I'm not doing, I'm not doing the right thing, but it's not that I have some. They're disorder. just in denial. I think that's denial because I think most people, um, I think if they're honest with themselves, I think if you're in a manic episode, um, for the most part, if you can't, yeah, if you can just be honest with yourself, but it, a lot of people maybe just want to stay in denial, kind of a scary thing, I, I think, to confront sometimes. So so you said you knew when you were 18, but you weren't diagnosed until you were 25. Right. So did I, were you kind of trying, how were you coping up in, for seven years then? I think well, it was mostly depression. So, I mean, I'll, there's a lot of depressed people. And I think I was mostly, I mean, I, I guess I was fairly strong in, in a sense to be able to deal with it. But I ran a lot. I mean, I was exercising and stuff like that. So maybe it wasn't you know quite as bad as it could have been. There were certain things. And I had a strong family. So in some ways, I was lucky. But I definitely needed help, I think, earlier than when I was 25. Yeah. You said you had a strong family. Do you think that that helped you in the not just in the long run, but even in the short run, kind of coming to terms with being able to accept it? I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think there was just a point where uh, it was pretty obvious that there was something wrong, and I knew 
just how ultra sensitive I was and how a lot of the quote unquote anxiety was not really anxiety. It was serious depression. And then the flip side, it was mania. And, you know, when I was manic, you can't hide that. I couldn't hide it, you know, and my mom saw and uh, my brothers and sisters saw. So it becomes pretty obvious and you can't deny it after a while. (laughs) So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Now, so at 25, your first diagnosed, did they try to put you on medications at that point? Yeah. I went on, I believe I went on Depakote and probably, I think, Topamax. And I think I was also on an antidepressant as well. And I was on a medication, yeah. So I've been on medication since I was 25. So yeah. what, what was your first kind of interaction with those medications like? Because that's, well, that's a big issue for a lot of people. Right, right, right. Well, Depakote, that can be a tough drug to be on because it makes you gain weight. For me, it was like, oh, no, I have to buy new clothing, you know. All that stuff. So it was kind of hard. But Depakote, I didn't like the side effects. You know, when you just get to know each drug and you know the side effects. Like eventually I went on lithium and lithium has been excellent for me. And I have become toxic, unfortunately, you know, a couple times, which is pretty scary. Now, for a lot of our listeners, they don't know what that means. What does Um, that mean? If you're toxic on lithium, you have too much lithium in your body. It can be due to not drinking enough water, due to weight loss, rapid weight loss that your body is metabolizing differently. Your medication, you're on too high of a milligram. So yeah, lithium, it has, it has to be monitored. You know, you really have to be careful with it, but it's been around for 40 some years and mm-hmm. it's great. It's been my mainstay and I just keep on lithium and some, you know, I'll take antidepressants and then sometimes antipsychotics if I have to. And I regulate my. So you my, take in, you take in more of a cyclical. A lot of times they'll give in a combination. Yeah. Well, right now I take uh, lithium and I take Remron, which is boosting my appetite because I had lost a lot of weight due to the toxicity. So. Mm-hmm. Wait, were you hospitalized at any time in your treatment? Yeah, I've been hospitalized. Um, let's see, I think five times. Last time I was hospitalized, it was in May. And it was due to the fact that I lost a lot of weight and that I was taking too high of a dose of lithium. And no, actually, the one in May was, I'm sorry, the one in May, I was i was hospitalized because I was taking too low of a dose. So they had to up it and then take it down again. Right. Um, so it's really been kind of a roller coaster. But So do you find it was most of your hospitaliz- hospitalizations or did they revolve around kind of? Manic Regulated episodes. Manic? Okay. Manic episodes. Most of them, yeah. Okay. Because that's when your friends are going, um, Elizabeth, okay. <laughs> like, what What are you doing? Like, why did you just quit your job and, like, start, you know, right. um, writing letters and doing all these, you know, just, like, really bizarre things that, yeah, I'm totally embarrassed of in one sense, but then another, in another way, it's just part of, it is part of the disease, and that's... So in your your case, it was other people kind of letting you know you were kind of coming off the rails, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. Friends, mostly friends, just being really honest with me saying, okay, now listen, (laughs) you know, you're you're really getting out out there and we're worried about you. So, yeah. How how long roughly between hospitalizations did you go? Let's see. My first hospitalization was when I was 28, I think. And then there was one when I was 29. 30, and then 33. So different, different. Uh, like, yeah, we should, we should probably clarify that. How old are you now? I'm 34. Okay. Um, so, so you've got a lot of experience because you knew at 18, you weren't diagnosed until 25, and then now you've, you've gone through a number of hospitalizations since then. 
Mm-hmm. That's a lifetime of experience just right there. Yeah, I'd say I know you know a lot. Uh, well, a pretty good amount about psychopharmacology. At one point, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, at one point you've been you know taking so many drugs, you can really be kind of an advisor to people. But you know, I'm not a, psych- a psychologist or psychiatrist. How many times have you had to switch medicines from when you first started taking them to lithium? Oh, till I got on lithium. Um, Oh, gosh, I don't know, maybe five or six times. It was really frustrating. And at the time, too, I wasn't completely comfortable telling anybody, like, that I was bipolar. So that makes it harder because you're so in the closet about it. So it's easier, you know, it's it's easier if, if, if you're more comfortable with your disorder and able to talk about it, I think, because it's such a huge part of who you are and how, how you experience reality, you know. And When did you become able to, to kind of talk about it more openly? Um, just recently, I think I lived in Oregon for five years, and when I lived in Oregon, I finally talked to my friends about it there, and nobody really cared. It was like, oh, really? Okay, yeah, well, you know, my my cousin is, or my best friend is, or, you know, and, and I realized, okay, it's not that big of a deal, but with my family, for some reason, it's, it was harder. It was a little more of a struggle to talk about it um, with them. Why is that? So, Why was that? I don't know. I mean, you know, people have stigma, and my family was... You know, it's from a. I'm from a town that's pretty wealthy town, and I don't know. People have these expectations of everyone should be perfect, or my family, you know, is kind of fits into that. Like, oh, it's such a perfect, good family, but there's nothing wrong with you know. You can be from a good family and be bipolar, absolutely, and that's part of like the duality or part of the uh, struggle. Sometimes people feel like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's reality, you know. So. Uh, it's interesting because at one point you're, you you talk about kind of how hard it is to come to terms with uh, being open about it and stuff. But uh, then there's the other side where you meet a lot of people who they come to identify almost only as their disorder. How have you avoided that? Um, well, I guess just creatively, which is good. I um, write songs and play the guitar and I go out to open mics and that gives me an identity. And I think part of it is probably you know, due to the bipolar b- being highly creative, but then, you know, I don't, I don't identify with it. You know, that's not something I tell everybody. Right. Pretty much the only, the, you know, the inner circle people of my life and people in my support groups know, but right. it's not something, you know, not everybody has to know that. Right. So. If you had to name it, what would be like the single most helpful thing in your process? Well, I was thinking about that today because I was like, oh, you know, I was walking and thinking about the, um, the interview, I was thinking, you know, I think the most important thing is to um, respect yourself and love yourself, you know, honestly, and um, to be aware of your thoughts and, you know, to, because um, just today I've been just struggling with depression, you know, just recently, and just be aware of your thoughts. And, and, and I've been lately just really aware because I'll think, oh, so-and-so, you know, so-and-so doesn't like me or, you know, and that for therefore that makes me bad, you know, but I'll actually go ahead and, and dispute that, you know, and, and that's a huge step for me. I'm 34 and I've just really started to become aware of my thoughts. So I, I think about people who are younger and I wonder how, you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be a struggle, but I would say to dispute your thoughts, your negative thoughts, and to respect yourself. We'll be back with more of Elizabeth's interview in just a moment. Okay, it's February 15th. My friends are on their way to pick me up. I've got time to listen to Flip Switch before we go. And downloading 
Wait. Wait. Where is it? Where's the podcast? What's going on? Work, you stupid computer. Work. <laughs> Who are you? I am the one that knows all. Poor Amy Lynn. You have forgotten that Flip Switch has moved to a new site. A new site? What does that mean? Oh, Amy Lynn, see how your comprehension fails you? Lipswitch will now be hosted directly on the bpkids.org site. That's bpkids.org. bpkids.org is the site of the Child and Adolescent Bipolar Foundation. Lipswitch will be waiting there under the 14 section. bpkids.org? But I found the podcast through iTunes. Oh, Amy Lynn, how you fret so. In the iTunes store, Flip Switch will be available under the CABF search, or you can just research for the Flip Switch podcast. Wait, what about the blog? I can't use the blog anymore? Oh, Amy Lynn, so innocent. Of course you can use the podcast blog. In fact, it's even better now. Just go to the bpkids.org site to find the blog where all your favorite co-hosts will be writing about their thoughts and experiences. That sounds like a lot of work. No, 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 fair child. Just try it out right now. Okay, okay. www.bpkids.org. Looking up the site. Oh, there it is. Hey, there's even a subscription link to the iTunes store right there on the page. That's useful. Wow, this blog page is a lot better. See, Amy Lynn, Flip Switch is always so easy to get to. Thanks, Mr. Podcast Knowing person, whatever. How exactly did you get into my dorm room again? Uh, your, your roommate let me in. I don't have a roommate. I am... Uh, right. I think I might need to call security. for the new podcast. I'm out of here. Wait! Stop right there! Security! We now return to more of our interview with Elizabeth. Where are you at in your kind of process right now? Um, I moved home because um, I was toxic on my lithium in October of 03 twice. And what does that actually do when you're toxic? What is it Um, physiologically? Physiologically, which is important for people who are on lithium to know, because I did not know and I researched it, but you're nauseous, you're vomiting, you can feel like a a detachment from reality, you're confused, um, you can't stand up straight, and um, it's pretty scary, but... Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. You juxtapose that with like, like this is kind of the mass media way of talking about any psychopharmacological drug. Mm-hmm. It's like this could happen to you. And the other side of for you is you're saying, not I'm abandoning this. This is kind of just something that I, I've been using, and it it fluctuates, and I have to deal with that fluctuation. Yeah, I think that. Well, also lithium for me has been a very affordable drug. It's been around for so long. I was approved by the FDA, you know, decades ago. So I can afford that, and I have to remember that. And financially, I have to stay on things that are affordable. And lithium has been good to me. So that, that's something we should talk about. I mean, we don't we don't really talk about it enough. Um, we talk about people getting treatment and people kind of facing up to whatever's going on with them and dealing with it, once you enter a kind of the medical system, be it uh, physiological or mental, mm-hmm. we're talking about lots of money. Yeah. And but, how, is, how has that been for you? That's the, that's the real hard thing. Although in Oregon, I was working with the elderly a lot and um, taking care of the elderly. And I did learn a lot about 
how to get um, pharmaceuticals at affordable rate, you know, good prices. But um, for me, I have a lot of medical bills. Um, my um, credit is a mess. I'm not going to lie. But um, for me, you know, I, I know a lot about, um, I guess, what drugs you can I can afford and what drugs I cannot afford. And then um, also, if I cannot afford them, there's still many ways to get drugs. You know, there's, um, you know, every pharmaceutical company like AstraZeneca, Galaxo, SmithKline, J&J, they all have um, ways of getting drugs for for free if you're unemployed and stuff like that. So there's ways to get what you need. It's There's a lot of uh, paperwork, but... Besides kind of like the treatment side and the drug side, um, what what's something kind of in your process that you kind of wish you had known maybe at 18 that you've come come to learn that you think would have kind of been most beneficial had you known it back then? Um, I guess more about myself, like who I am, right. so I could respect myself instead of, you know, going through depressive episodes where... I have thoughts and feelings that I'm this horrible person, which is so wrong. So I just, I think really understanding myself better and having a deeper understanding of what it is to be human. We're all flawed. So, you know, I wish that I could go back and tell my 18 year old self, you know, to, to love, you know, who she is instead of feeling bad about who she is or embarrassed or whatever. So. Right. And, and to some extent, like the, uh, the depression, especially with, the bipolar depressions are very physiological and they, they pull you down. Um, Absolutely. So even if like, even to some extent with these understandings, they can still pull you down. Yeah. And, and so um, I think it's interesting that, that you, uh, you came to know that, but some people seem to have this almost belief that if I'm feeling bad, it is the end of the world then instead of no people feel bad and that's not, there is tomorrow. It's, it's hard. It's kind of a, it's like you have to, I guess, have experience with that feeling. Like, oh, here it comes again. Oh, you're just fake. You ain't real. No, everything's okay. I know everything's okay. I mean, so there is that, that feeling though. Um, you have, you have to be so aware that self-awareness is so key with this disorder, you know, and I felt, I felt today a little bit of depression and I said, no, that's not real. So, you know, I kept, Think, I started thinking about some songs to write and started thinking about other things, and and it was okay. But it's self-awareness, which is what we need. So you've had a, lot, a long process, um, mm-hmm. and you've kind of gone over kind of a lifetime of stuff just in a very brief time, really. Uh, I guess what still scares you then going forward? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing could scare me. It's like I was thinking about that today, and... Um, I feel like, um, in some ways, I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes in my life, and I've been embarrassed a lot of things that I've done. And it's like, all you can do is move forward, and all you can do is remember that you're a human being, and we're all human beings. And it's like, I'm not going to judge myself, and I'm not going to judge anyone else either, and I'm just going to move forward. So I'm focusing on, you know, cre- my creative endeavors, my guitar playing, and my singing, and, and I feel pretty good after being toxic nothing could knock me down i mean it's like i'm i'm lucky to be alive i thought i was going to die (laughs) and i'm alive so everything's going to be okay 
Thank you so much. Thank you.